this day in 1961, George O'Dowd was born. Boy, George, to you and I, his look and style of fashion was greatly inspired by glam rock pioneers David Bowie and Mark Bolan. And he formed the Culture Club in 1981 and was part of the new romantic scene along with the likes of Adam Ant, Spandau Ballet and the Flock of Seagulls. Unmistakable, isn't it, Jeremy Elwood? It really is. I mean, what a... What an era. It was an era. For, I mean, if, for pop. If you're a pop yeah. fan, it, it was an era. I've been strangely listening to a lot of the Pet Shop Boys recently. Have you now? And just going back and it almost, I mean, it felt like when I was at that age, they had a hit song out, a new one out every week. Yeah. You know, and they were just perfectly crafted pop songs. That's right. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can appreciate them even if it's not necessarily your, your, your genre. 100%. Nalini? Yeah, and my God, did that boy have perfect makeup. <laughs> did he now? Oh, yes. God, he yeah. did. Yeah. A very dapper dresser. And, right. Oh, the 80s were the best. I miss it. I miss it. <laughs> I wouldn't go okay. that far. Yeah, I wouldn't I go miss it. Yeah, thank you, Nalini. I'm, All right. I miss it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the 80s are very good. Mm. Uh, now, um, yes, uh, there should be no statues of people, uh, says someone. I think a plaque on the wall with a story of achievement glorifying humans in statue, statue form is a waste of space and is egotistical. Just a word on this. Uh, Sir Tim Shabbat would like to see a statue erected to a person who made a major contribution to the city of Invercargill. Who was that himself? His partner, Aisha Dutt, was quoted in stuff saying they envisaged a 3D living tribute, something that'll be a draw card and capitalise on Shadbolt's statute as status as an icon. Uh, Shabbat said he was overcome by people adamant that this would be the most appropriate form of tribute, but the mayor of Invercargill, Nobby Clark, uh, is not so hot on the idea. He suggests a plaque, which is not the same thing, Jeremy. Uh, a plaque and a statue, it's a very different thing. That's not a good, co- that's not a good comeback. It's, it's true. I mean, the plaque's the thing that is on the park bench that you sit on while you look at the statue. I mean, that's the difference right there. And, oh, come on. You know, if anyone does, if anyone in Invercargill, you know, okay, inventing instant coffee, that's one thing. But if someone in Invercargill deserves a statue, come on. I mean, Tim, Tim was more than a mayor, and he did a lot for, for, for that town, but he was much more than a mayor. I mean, he was a, he was a representation of a so whole it's town. A yes? it's, an, it's a yes for me, absolutely. And I'd love to see it, I'd love to see it happen, not posthumously. You know, I'd like to. See, I'd like him to be able. A photo of him with his own statue Interesting. would, be, would okay. be worth its weight. So a yes to a Tim Shabbolt statue, even though he asked for it himself, uh, Nalini Baruch. I think actually, sorry, particularly because he asked for it himself. I think you know, <laughs> the the cojones it takes to do that. Good on you, Tim. Have your statue, Nalini. <laughs> yeah, let's look. Let's look at the facts. Twenty six years as a mayor, longest serving mayor. A man renowned for his concrete mixer. So I totally agree. He needs to have a statue, but not one without a concrete mixer. And and if I'm not wrong, uh, Wallace, I, you, you, you could have your researchers look into this. But isn't he responsible for a netball stadium that actually brought the game to Invercargill? Am I right? We'll find out. I know yeah. that he was. I mean, he was very yeah. uh, significant in, in various uh, infrastructure pieces, of course, in Invercargill. And I think not very, sure about that. Very underrated. The free free fees at um, at Southland yeah. Institute, yeah. which yeah. And, um, and, was was huge for the city. And streets uh, yeah. streets get renamed and and plants get is it, taken away. Kiwi, but statues the, are there. Is it the Kiwi way to ask? Uh, for a statue? No, of, of course it isn't. And that's, again, that's one of the reasons I think, yeah. I, yeah. You know, it is the Kiwi way, by the way, to just, oh, yeah, oh, he's asked for it, so yeah. 
And he's you know, no ordinary Kiwi, is he? What, a, what, about, a, what about a plug? What about no. the Tim Shabolt Poetry Festival? Well, there is some talk about renaming the water park after him, isn't there? The, yeah, but he um, didn't want it. No, well, I'm kind, a statue? Of, kind of not surprised, yeah. Mm. Maybe you could have a statue riding down the water park, riding down the water park. The water slide. Um, someone says here, uh, what, what do you think? Uh, those from Invercargill, our wonderful Invis listeners, do you support a statue of, uh, uh, of um, um, Tim Shabbolt? Uh, the music in the 80s was so good, we took our eyes off the politics. Yes. <laughs> and we're still paying the price, uh, oh, says, uh, the two, says someone. The two go very much hand in hand, yeah. Now to this. <laughs> uh, hundreds of Auckland homeowners will hear from the council this week about what comes next for a voluntary buyout for their stormed, damaged properties. There are about 700 known high-risk properties in New Zealand, of which about 400 are in Tamaki Makoto, that excludes landslide, landslide-affected homes like in Murawai. Question is, what would a voluntary buyout look like? Lyle Carter is the head of the group uh, WAIF West Aucklanders Flooding, his home was also badly affected. Kia ora, Lyle. Nice to be here. I was just thinking um, just earlier, this is all really uncharted territory, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, excuse the pun, it is really uncharted waters that we are uh, wading through at the moment. Um, one of the, the, the overwhelming sense from our community, though, is this is just another... Uh, there's a real sense that this is another... Um, hiccup in the road towards managed retreat and that they're not surprised that there has been a delay to even the beginning of this process which all of the people that I've been speaking to in our community expected it to start on Monday but of course it hasn't started um, it didn't start on Monday so there is a real sense in our community, can the council get something as complex as this process, which involves the Crown, the council, insurance companies and individuals, who are the most important, um, those being displaced by the floods, can they get this process right? And they haven't uh, started off on a good foot um, for, for many in our community. Have you been contacted yet? No. And and just to clarify, so the so people you have spoken to, they're actually they're in favour of this scheme. They just want it to hurry up. They, well, they want to. I, I think, generally speaking, they are in favour of the scheme. Okay. And and of course, it, it involves three different categories. One of those three being buyout um, for properties that are deemed a, that are at high high risk. Uh, but category two is where we are going. Is is where there's. I think there's going to be the most questions asked, how um, the council's um, making way for water plan has a, a, it's a six-year duration. So for those that are in Category 2, where flood mitigation has to be put in place, what do they do between now and the end of that six years? Do they, are their homes insured? You know, um, is the flood mitigation, how long does that flood mitigation, is, it, is that going to take to put that in place to keep people safe? Mm. And do they live elsewhere while that is happening for six years? 
Oh, very big questions, aren't they? I mean, mm. such a big issue, this Nalini Baruch. Actually, Lyle, you've just asked all the questions I've got on my note sheet. and, oh, and, sorry, and le- that. No, that's all right. And, and so leading from that, um, I'm sort of asking myself, should this be taken away from the council and should the government actually be handling this? And would it be any faster if, if it was in the hands of the government? I mean, I know this is in Auckland. These these seven hundred houses are in Auckland, but the fact is, it's 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 more than just an Auckland issue. It's probably setting a precedence here as well that'll bound to be extended to other parts of New Zealand someday. Yeah, it it, it is a comp- It is a very complex process. Mm-hmm. I guess we're I guess where we're sitting in our community in West Auckland is that we there have been so many members of our community knocking at the door of council, some for decades. <laughs> for something as simple as cleaning out a stream that is behind their property. Mm. And there is this, the fact that we were told on Monday the 12th, from the 12th, you'll start to hear from us, and no one heard on Monday. And so it just reinforces the narrative for so many people in our community that the council, if the council can't even clean out a stream or start to send out emails on June the 12th, how can they get this process right which is so complex. And one really important thing that I, that I hope you and the listeners keep in mind, uh, are the, we are talking about people who are at their absolute wit's end, mm. who are emotionally and financially drained. And for some people, it may seem, oh, you're just waiting a couple of days. But those couple of days are an eternity for our people. They have been waiting for months, and for them, for them to be delayed again is just another kick in the teeth for people that are on the ground and um, out for the count. No. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually just dawned on me, Lyle, that I think you were on the program the last time I was, which is over a month ago, and you know I've just been getting on with my life, and this has just been an ongoing issue for you. So I have been thinking yeah. that. But is there an, have you had any indication about what a buyout would actually entail? I mean, is that buyout going to be based yeah. on the value of what the house does it look, or what does insurance? It look, what does it look yeah. like exactly? Yeah, so we, we, haven't, we haven't got a specific number okay. or, or what they, are they, were they looking at. Are they looking at current... Uh, the, the current property market, are they evaluating it based on that? Are they looking at the, the property market pre the January flood or are they looking at, um, at RV? So we, we don't know what metric they are going to be using in that space. Um, we also don't know what the breakdown is going to be either. So um, what the breakdown and the buyout between insurance companies, between uh, the Crown and between the Council and um, and whether there's some involvement from the homeowner as well, in some in some um, respect. So yeah, there's uh, there's not a lot of clarity. Uh, the waters again to um, please excuse the pun. The waters are very muddied at the moment, and it just it, it it further exacerbates the pain that our people are going through when there are these delays. And it, again, it just it it's just frustrating, eh? And it's frustrating that there are so many of us that uh, have been fighting for this um, and advocating hard in our spare time around around our normal lives, around our normal jobs and families and all the, the pressures that that, that that carries with it. And it's just, it's getting tough, eh? 
Just in some Lyle, Lyle well, um, we will keep in touch with you uh, on the sea, uh, whether or not you get um, <clears throat> direct um, contact with the council and we'll um, follow the issue. But for now, Kia ora, appreciate your time. Thanks That's, so much. Yeah, Lyle Carter there, uh, the part of the group. Uh, uh, West Auckland is flooding. His home was pretty badly affected also, but uh, there's quite a group of them in there. It's 14 away from five. The panel, great to be with you. Recent surveys of the country's primary school principals paint a picture, grim picture, of potentially hundreds of principals leaving the profession in the not-too-distant future. Meanwhile, parents have voiced their frustration over teacher strikes. Here's Jono Skipworth who spoke to the panel yesterday. Pretty frustrated, I guess, um, to get uh, another email from school uh, late last week on Friday to saying that there'll be, I think, four more strike days before the end of term. Uh, two next week, you know, two in one week, that's, that's, that sort of kicks you in the gut. Now, a nationwide crisis summit was held earlier this week to discuss uh, the findings. Almost a third of respondents to the NZEI survey say they want to leave the job within a couple of years. Uh, And a survey um, on Auckland alone released today paints a similar picture. Uh, To discuss, we have Auckland Primary Principals Association President Kyle Brewerton, also principal of Remuera Intermediate School. Kyle, welcome. Well, thanks for having me, uh, Wallace. It's a pleasure, Carl. First to that, what did you make of Jono uh, there, just tired of it, just um, constantly having to keep the kids at home because of these strikes? Yeah, it's completely understandable. Uh, it's hard for me to speak to that part. As, as a primary principal, obviously, yeah. we're represented by NVIDIA, so uh, as you'll be aware, we've, we've settled, so we're, yeah. we're trying to get on with things now. Um, and secondary are now fighting their battle. Now, your survey paints a similar picture. Explain to us. Yeah, I would like to say it's painted a, a more hopeful picture, uh, but actually I think it really has reinforced some of our worst fears, I guess, or our assumptions. Um, what was heartening is we had nearly 80% of our principals from across Auckland respond, which has given us real confidence in the results. Um, on the flip side of that, what it's told us is that some of the more startling stats, we've lost, in the last six months alone, over 500 teachers out of the Auckland workforce, uh, teaching workforce. Um, and that that is startling. I think 500? Yeah, Goodness. nearly 600. This, bearing in mind this is 80% of principals, and it's actually 570. Uh, now, that's for a host of reasons. Um, a couple of the key uh, pieces to that were the moving overseas. We had 123 teachers leave to go abroad, uh, and 105 left the profession, so often they'll go into other industries. Uh, we had 50 retire, and, and the numbers go on. So overall, collectively, there's, you know, there's 570 people that are no longer teaching in the Auckland workforce. Let's go around the panel on this. Uh, Carl, stay there, and we'll come back to you at the end there. Uh, Nalini. Hi, Carl. Um, yeah, startling findings. I mean... <sighs> Forty-seven percent of new principals intending to leave within five years. That, that's 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 uh, that's saying I've arrived. I'm not happy. I'm leaving, and that's really not yeah. not a good indictment. Um, oh. I, I'm sure there was very recently a research that showed that our kids 
uh, have low literacy and numeracy skills, you know, leaving schools. And then, and now we're looking at this report saying principals are unhappy because they, have, they haven't got the basic resources that they need. Yes. I think, don't you think this is actually saying the entire system is broken and it needs urgent attention and we need to do something about it? An entire holistic approach, not just taking, you know, parts out and saying, well, this, this is this and we need to do something about it. But the whole system ha- has to have some sort of a injection. Kyle. Yes, 100%. And, it, and it's not too dissimilar from the message we've been sharing for some time now that yeah, the foundations themselves are pretty mm. shaky at the moment. And, and that's, to your point, definitely a, a good reason to go back and say this, this current system, as we know, was put together in industrial days. Um, it's, it's evolved to some degree. But then if we just take the last 20 years, the current resourcing model for schools, which is largely around the number of teachers and students in class and those wraparound services that exist within schools, that was put together in the late 90s. was tweaked slightly in the early 2000s. Well, since then, quite a bit's changed. <laughs> no. All right, Jeremy. Well, I mean, <clears throat> those numbers are startling, but I think, I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but trickling down, I mean... What what's the what are the numbers coming into the profession and moving up? You know, to replace these particularly principals, what are they looking like? Yeah, e- e- equally grim, really. Yeah. Um, and, and so here's the rub, right? So we have a profession, and if you read the narrative, you'll see there that you've got a workforce that absolutely loves their job. And I'm one of them. I, I love my job. I, I I've done all sorts of things throughout my life, and this is the one that I love doing. Mm. But the commentary then goes on to say that it's unsustainable. And that's where we're losing those, those ones who are coming in in their first five years. They're arriving absolutely passionate, ready to set the world on fire, ready to change kids' lives, and just realising that they just can't. They don't have the resources they need. And that's to that earlier point. We, we need to look at the resources in our schools. It's just not fit for purpose. Kyle, thank you for being with us. Kia ora. Uh, I appreciate you. your time there. That's the Auckland Primary Principals uh, Association president, uh, Kyle Broach, and he's the he's a principal too, Remura Intermediate there. Now, uh, just a message on the the update on the motorway, particularly in Auckland here, there is quite a big uh, a, a breakdown blocking two right lanes southbound after the Orange Road overbridge before Hill Road. That's the southern motorway there. That's just been uh, clear. That's now clear of lines. All lanes are open there. And actually news just to hand regarding that earlier story regard, uh, regards the um, uh, Auckland homeowners to be heard uh, they'll hear from the council this week. We had Lyle Carter on there. Uh, Auckland Council, uh, newsflash here, Auckland Council has sent out 391 letters to homeowners it considers to be high risk and expects to have sent out around 700 in total by the end of tomorrow. But no homeowners have been offered a buyout today. Uh, it'd be interesting to follow that story up there. But finally, to this, on the panel with uh, Nalini Baruch and Jeremy Alwood, there would have been a time when a new Beatles song would have been one of the most exciting moments in life. Imagine hearing this for the very first time. You- Fresh to the ears. Could you imagine? Gosh, Sir Paul McCartney 
has used artificial intelligence AI to create what he calls the final Beatles song. It's likely to be a Lennon song called Now and Then, a reunion song from 1978. Well, one person who knows his Beatles and well, actually lives and breathes music in general is uh, music journalist and reviewer Marty Duda. Great to have you on, Marty. Hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Very well. Now, <laughs> you are a Beatles fan, aren't you? Of course I am. How can you not be? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, gosh. Um, I remember the first time I heard them. I, in fact, I saw them on Ed Sullivan back in 1964. So you what? You, you, not, you, I, was on, I wasn't in the studio, but I was on in front of the TV. <laughs> you, you, and you saw that. You saw the Ed Sullivan with Beatles on 64. Oh, sure. Everybody did. Wow. <laughs> so uh, the final Beatles song, Excited? Possibly? Well, sure, of course. Well, I mean, it's a, it, this whole AI thing has got people all in a stir because they think like some computer has come along and written the song with Paul McCartney or something, but it's it's nothing like that. It's a, 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 a recording that John made in 78, kind of for Paul, written about Paul. And so the, the three Beatles, the three Beatles that were left in the mid-90s tried to record it, but apparently George didn't like it. Yeah. And so now, with the technology that's been advanced, partially because of Peter Jackson's Get Back film, yes. it was, they can extract John's voice from it in a much better quality and have another whack at it. So I think that's what they're going to do. And I think there's some leftover uh, bits that George recorded back in the mid-'90s that they're going to use, so oh. that way all the purists will be happy and all four Beatles will be re- represented. Kind of <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, Marty, I mean, I, I have a knee-jerk reaction to AI getting involved in anything. But th- th- this, this sounds less of AI and just sounds like next-generation digital remastering, right? Yes. I mean, it's not that right. different exactly. from... That's pretty much it. But yeah, you, not, I guarantee you that next year, uh, some some computer will write a Beatles song, and then everybody will be upset. And then musicians can go on strike like the writers have, Yeah, which I think is they'd be perfectly within their rights to do. Nalini. Yeah. Yeah, because already somebody's like uh, written an Oasis reunion now uh, song, but nobody cares. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly, Marty. Not easy. Mar- Marty, I'm bowing in the presence of greatness. Um, okay, what, me? No, yeah, <laughs> Marty. Okay. No. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh my God. Um, How can I, I help? <laughs> look, uh, AI repulses me. I I don't know why, but it just repulses me at the moment, and I I guess because I haven't quite worked it out. But I'm just right. just thinking this late in, latest initiative is this greed led, or is this is this the greater good? Satisfaction of, of followers of, of Beatles led. You got to remember, so. Beatles fans know everything that is around. <laughs> so it's just a matter of time. If Paul doesn't, Paul or Ringo don't get around doing this, uh, there'll be scads of fans who will go, "Why won't they do it?" So ah. it just it kind of puts it all to bed, I think, and makes everybody happy. I don't think Paul needs any more money. Well, I don't think that's his motivation anymore. <laughs> so this is a legacy. Yes, have I you think so. uh, have you heard the song, Money? Yeah, because it's on YouTube. I mean, you can hear the original demo. That, uh, in fact, there's two different versions, and you can already hear the improvement in the technology. So, what what we'll do is we'll get a new version now with maybe Paul's written a new verse or something, and he'll sing some harmony with John, which is all 
what we want to hear anyway. And yes. Ringo will tap away on the drums in the background, and off we go. You, d- you don't think there's any danger of them doing one of these hologram tours? You know, getting getting John and George back on the on the big I screen. I hope not. Yeah. I, I do not want to see that. No. <laughs> Marty, Marty, can you remember when Natalie Cole did an uh, Nat King Cole, Natalie Cole? Um, yes. I'm trying to remember the name of the song. I love it. I've got the CD. Isn't it unforgettable? Yeah, unforgettable. Yeah. unforgettable. unforgettable. Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. you know, and at that time, some of us thought, no, don't do it. And then we fell in love with the song. So can you see yep. that happening here? Yep. I, yeah. I mean, already I think uh, Paul has done some kind of a virtual thing with John at some of his shows. So it's kind of heading in that direction. It's what people yeah. want, you know. I just don't want yeah. them to clean the voice. Please don't clean the voice. Right. Let them sound like they used uh, to sound. And right. wonderful to have that New Zealand link there, Marty Duda. It's quite extraordinary, yeah, well, it really, isn't it? Without, yeah, Paul, uh, with Peter Jackson's uh, right in the middle of it all. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Marty, great to hear you, buddy. Nice to have you on the program. Kia ora. My pleasure. Anytime. Right. That's Marty Duda there. Some feedback for you. Uh, kia ora, uh, Wallace. We had an amazing wallaby tear uh, tear at Ahi Restaurant in Auckland last mm. year. So clearly versatile. Good for modern New Zealand fine dining. Who knew? Wallaby <laughs> is good eating. Oh, of course, of course, someone good. knew. You yeah. know, if, if it's out there, yeah. someone's tried to eat it. You know? um, and uh, yeah, look, lovely to have you all. I'm back Thank tomorrow, you. Thursday. Nadine Baruch, wonderful. Jeremy Alwood, great to have you in. Uh, both of you. I'm Wallace Chapman. See you at 3.45. Thanks to Charlie Drever, my producer. And uh, Checkpoint is next with Lisa Owen. Thank you, Wallace.